Hello, Breakthrough listeners. This is Erwin, host of the November 9th Wealth Hacker Conference in Toronto with keynote by Mr. 10X himself, Grant Cardone. If you're serious about creating multiple streams of income to get freedom from your job, support your kids through school, we will be hosting an all-day masterclass for beginner to professional investors to get on the fastest path to achieving your goals. For more details, go to wealthhacker.ca and your special discount code is BREAKTHROUGH. Again, that's wealthhacker.ca for details, discount code BREAKTHROUGH. Sandy and Rob already have their tickets and we will see you all there. Hi, this is Dion Beg from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 94. Today, we have Simon He with us, and he's here to talk with us about short-term rentals. Uh, him and his partner, James, focus on, how, on uh, teaching people how to manage short-term rentals of their own, investing in short-term rentals, and managing them for others as well. So thanks for uh, being on the show, Simon. Happy to join you guys. Yeah, thanks, Simon. So uh, Simon is, uh, like Rob said, he's the founder of Learn Airbnb. It's the number one Airbnb hosting education blog online and he's uh, he's the main con- uh, content contributor there and he's coached over well he's coached thousands of airbnb hosts around the world uh for those who are just starting out as well as to those who uh, have grown to 500 plus listings as well so he's got a lot of expertise around this subject and uh some's also studied the actual performance data of over 420,000 airbnb listings from over 250,000 hosts worldwide taking the best evidence-based learnings to help new hosts win from day one. And Simon's also uh, a best-selling online instructor and he's taught over 150,000 students from around the world. Uh, and so, again, very happy to have Simon on the show here. And uh, yeah, anything else to add to that? that bio <laughs> no, I think that's good. Simon, you guys are you guys are Toronto-based, right? But you're not in Toronto, are you? You're- I, I'm not, yeah, my partner, um, James is out of Toronto right now, but he, uh, he travels quite a bit. Uh, I'm mostly based out of Los Angeles. That's nice. That must be nice. Are you Canadian? Or are you- no, I am not, actually. I'm a Los Angeles uh, native almost. Uh, I was born uh, in China, but then I grew up in LA pretty much all my life. So too bad James couldn't be here with us, but how did the two of you meet each other? Yeah, so the interesting thing was um, I got started with uh, hosting and, and creating Learn Airbnb before James. Actually, uh, I was with a group of friends. We were in LA back in the early days, uh, looking at 2012, 2013, very, very early days for uh, Airbnb at the time. You know, totally different uh, space than it is today. Um, you know, we got started, made a whole bunch of mistakes, uh, and uh, ultimately, I had a lot of notes. We, we sort of had a lot of learnings from our own experience there and uh, operating in downtown LA. And so I decided to put all our learnings on a blog and see what happened. Um, you know, started to get some attention and started to grow. James 
actually, he started hosting after discovering uh, our blog. He was kind of at a stage in his life where he was working on a startup uh, and uh, I think it was a watch startup. He had put a lot of money in it. Uh, it didn't work out. He lost, he, you know, he kind of lost money with that uh, thing. So he was looking for a, a way to start making some money um, at the time and he was looking for an option and then he found, you know, our, our blog. He, he thought, hey, I could do this. Uh, he tried it out um, and then he actually took our model and took it to a whole new level. I mean, he went from like just starting out to getting to uh, just over close to four, I think it was just a little over 40 listings within a little over a year's time. Um, so he went through a massive growth, then he reached out and then we started to work together because um, you know he had a very different perspective uh, on, on the hosting experience. Uh, and we thought we could share something with the rest of our, our audience around the world to help them become better hosts. So when you say um, 50 listings, what do you mean by that? So 40 for him. So basically it is a combination of listings that he uh, operated himself where he had complete control over. Uh, either he was leasing it um, through uh, like a rental arbitrage um, setup where you rent on a long-term basis and then you short-term rent with the approval of the the property owner or the landlord um, and the other part of it which is basically operating as a listing manager you sort of co-hosting the listing for a property owner um, and that's actually a model that has lower risks for a host because you don't need to sign a long-term contract Sure. You don't need to go and furnish it. Uh, the property owner provides essentially the property and just provides it ready for hosting, right? And then you take over creating the listing, uh, getting it up and running, communicating with all of the guests, uh, coordinating with all the cleaners and essentially the whole operations, um, and then taking a fee as a percentage of the gross bookings. Okay. And it, that's pretty time consuming, is it not? It can be. Uh, it, it used to be much more time consuming. And, and I say that used to be because back in the early days, uh, what set hosts apart were sort of the, the much more personal touch at the time. Uh, the early, I would say the early users of the Airbnb platform, the early travelers really wanted that more uh, human interaction, the in-person check-ins. Uh, but now there's a much larger segment. I would say even more so than um, the segment that wanted the personal touches. Now, uh, there's a larger group that really just wants a consistent uh, experience and they don't want in-person check-ins. Now, there's a lot more tools to automate. Uh, people are using smart locks or uh, lock boxes to essentially do remote check-ins and checkouts. In fact, um, during the latter, uh, after about less than a year, essentially, James was operating all of his listings remotely while he was traveling. So you can build the systems to actually remotely manage your listings. Okay, well, that's interesting. We'll probably dive more into that in a little bit. But let's, let's uh, dial it back here. And let's talk about how you got started in real estate investing in the first place. Yeah, so my first experience with real estate investing was right out of business school. I was uh, getting my MBA at Stanford at the time. And if 
people don't know about sort of the Bay Area, you're sort of deep in the jungles of the Silicon Valley and uh, everybody, you know, is working on startups. So in my um, MBA experience there in the first year, I was working with a startup. It didn't work out. And then I wanted to work on something that I felt was a little bit more tangible. And I landed on real estate. I was like, well, that's very tangible. It's something I could, uh, I could put my hand on. I could see it. Uh, so that's how I initially got into real estate. I ended up joining a private equity group there, uh, working with them for a few years. Uh, ultimately, we were helping our clients uh, invest in sort of uh, the lower mid-tier in terms of deal sizes across a wide spectrum of commercial assets, mostly along the West Coast. Okay. Um, so what does your portfolio look like now? Portfolio now is primarily uh, single unit rentals uh, in California, Nevada, uh, a little bit of in Arizona near Phoenix, uh, as well as um, multifamily, um, mostly through partnerships. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so what would you, let's, let's go back to the short-term rentals then. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges around the Airbnb short-term rentals? Yeah, it really, uh, it's, it's different for different stages and different types of hosts. Okay, so if you can think of like, uh, if we categorize the hosts in several different groups, we have the hosts that are trying to host with their own space. Maybe they're um, owner occupiers or tenants uh, in a space and they got an extra room that they like to make an extra buck in. Their challenges are different from somebody who wants to run it professionally and wants to have uh, grow a portfolio and manage other um, properties on behalf of property owners, right? Um, now for the first group, their biggest challenge really I think is having the right expectations. The biggest thing that we see with a lot of folks that are getting into or just thinking about hosting is that they don't recognize that the profit potential of what they can actually make hosting on Airbnb is largely determined by the location and the nature and type of listing that they have, right? Um, they, a lot of them may have seen stories online about somebody making you know, six figures or multi-six figures being a host and they sort of have this picture in their head that that might be possible for them. But, you know, somebody running a penthouse listing in New York City, which, you know, not legal now, but is going to make a lot more than uh, a host who has a listing outside of a major city in the middle of nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, so really just understanding where they're located uh, and, and then identifying what uh, their competitive set is to set the right expectations. Uh, that, that I think is the, the major uh, <clears throat> challenge for the hosts in that category. Now, the other category, the, the professional hosts, their biggest challenge is, uh, is two-part. They have two big challenges. One is building the systems that allow them to scale uh, and add more listings under their portfolio without scaling their time linearly. So they have to be able to build the systems that allow them to scale in that way. And the second part is the pipeline. It's a pipeline of looking for property owners that have uh, properties in core Airbnb hotspots, you know, where there's strong short-term rental demand for travelers uh, that also just doesn't want to manage it themselves, right? 
So that, that part is starting to grow. That segment is starting to grow. Um, you know, before these owners, they sort of have this conception that it's very easy to do it themselves. And then when they try to do it themselves, they realize, hey, unless I start hiring out and outsourcing the cleaning uh, and, and the listing management, it's very time consuming. If you want to manage it yourself, it's super time consuming. So as they start to understand and think about sort of their return on their time invested in the hosting process, rather than maximizing the uh, profits for the unit level, that's, that's the, the sort of the, the property owners that would make a lot of sense for the professional host to target. So let's dig into both of those then. The first thing you said is the big challenges around like them identifying a good property. So let's talk about how someone would do that. The easiest way is to find where, uh, where air, the listings are already doing well, right? Uh, you find the pockets by looking at the existing performance of listings. And, you know, the best resource that we recommend now is getting a report through AirDNA, A-I-R and then D-N-A dot uh, co. And they have the most up-to-date and as far as we know, the largest third-party data set that's available today for uh, hosts, for property managers, for people that are aspiring to become a professional host, but even just anybody that wants to know what the market potential is in their area. You know, their uh, reports, I think, depending on what city and kind of the, uh, you're in, it ranges from about 50 bucks to 150 bucks. But you get this report that essentially covers hundreds or thousands of listings in your specific area. And they give you all of the performance. So you understand exactly what the occupancies are, exactly what the nightly rates are by the property types. You get to understand things like whether there's seasonality in your market. Um, you know, some markets are pretty even in terms of the demand throughout the year. So, you know, you can, you can get a pretty good idea uh, and uh, expectation about the uh, bookings revenue to stay pretty consistent. But some parts where you have very extreme uh, differences between high season and low season, right? So that means, you know, for, for that helps set expectations, but also informs your operations. You're gonna have to make sure your scheduling and especially the, the way you're pricing your unit during those different parts of the season matches the demand levels. Would you say that if I was to buy, like if I was to look at that and then find something maybe three blocks away, I could have a drastically different outcome? A absolutely, uh, and I'll give you an example. The, there's a group that I was working with before. Um, they were also uh, working out of downtown LA and they had a, they had a listing that was um, basically right across the street from the LA Convention Center. So you can imagine LA Convention Center, there's an event every weekend, right? So their mm -hmm. traffic is very consistent. And then it's also walking distance to the Staples Center. Um, and then they, they thought, wow, this is great. Let's try to find some more right around here. So they found another almost identical listing uh, they took it under contract, and, but it was three blocks away, just three blocks. I mean, it was like a minute and a half walk, right? Mm -hmm. And it got, uh, it had 40% lower occupancy. I mean, it, it ended up making 60% less because it couldn't charge as much and it wasn't filled up as, as often. And it was only three blocks away. It just, people don't, when they look at that area, they know exactly where they want to stay. And uh, even as little as three blocks could make a big difference. Right. So uh, short term rentals can be hyper 
localized in that way. Uh, but you know, some other, some other markets, that's not the case. You can be five miles away and sort of be the same thing, right? It's kind of spread out and there isn't a very, um, central draw for the demand that that is the only draw and everybody wants to just stay within walking distance. If that's not the case, then it sort of doesn't have that kind of scenario, but it can, especially in sort of very urban, very dense downtown type of markets. That's funny. I, I would never imagine that that would be the case. I was thinking more just more like um, sort of three blocks away can actually be significantly further away from whatever the draw is to the area. Not, not that something only a minute and a half down the street would have that drastic of a difference. Yeah, we, we were completely surprised um, by, by the results. So what does, that, what does that look like in a professional? What is, can you go through a little bit on exactly what that professional short-term rental uh, can't, personal yeah, short-term like? rental what are they doing exactly? What are they doing typically? Maybe what kind of money are they even making on this, that type of scenario? So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll take a step back and um, provide some insight into the earnings expectations. Okay. So, um, there's two data points right now that uh, we're pretty confident in. One was the the very large data set that we we studied um, a few years back. Um, it's a little bit dated, but at, at that time, we found that out of um, basically looking at 6 million transactions, right, across 430,000 uh, listings, the median bookings um, revenue for, for a listing at that time um, was just around 3,300. That meant 50% of the listings earned uh, less than that in the year, total bookings. Okay, so, uh, and the average was under 10,000. Now, there was a more recent data set that came from um, uh, Earnest as a, as a lending, a private lending platform, and they, they did a survey of tens of thousands of their um, clients, uh, and some, many of them are using it for short-term rentals. And what they found also was that the, the short-term rental hosts there were on average now earning about just under 12,000, but then the median was like around 5,000. Okay. So it's improved a little bit over the last few years, but really it's much lower than what a lot of people would expect, right? Um, when you see something like that, where the average is you know, significantly higher than the median, it means the vast majority of two thirds are earning less than the average, right? So most hosts on the platform will earn less than $1,000 in monthly bookings. That's not factoring in operating expenses and costs. So most hosts are going to earn, you know, a few hundred bucks um, in terms of profit, right? Now, but this is factoring in the, the large majority of hosts who are just you know, they're, they're just hosting their own space. They don't get to choose where their location is. They, they already have the space and they have the room uh, and the listing is set, right? Uh, and their earnings potential is determined by their location there. But and also, yeah. also, I would say if you're going across 400 markets, you're going to have like each one's going to be drastically different in and of itself. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It, there are very big differences. There are very, very big differences. Um, but if for a professional host, right, if you're anywhere near a major metro, what that means is that, you know, with uh, the the market data available, if you if you look at the data that's available from the report from AirDNA for your market, you can pinpoint the spots that make the most sense, right? Mm -hmm. if, 
especially if you have the option to either do a rental arbitrage or find owners that have properties in those pockets and then become the uh, listing manager for those units. Since you're taking a percentage of the, the bookings, you might as well identify and target the properties that have the highest potential in terms of uh, bookings revenue. And you're saying act as a property manager, essentially, just, <clears throat> right? That's what you're- Yeah, that's, yeah, that's because that. um, that, that's, that's to, to grow your portfolio and um, you know, as a professional host to get the best return on your time, that's, that makes the most risk-adjusted uh, um, move for you because one, you don't need to take anything under contract. Uh, you're not, you're not, um, you're not uh, going to be fronting the cost to furnish, um, you know, and, and essentially the uh, homeowner is taking on all of the market risk. You're, you're taking a percentage of the top line. So you, you eliminate a lot of that risk. Mm -hmm. But essentially we're not investors at that point. We've just got another job. Well, you can still implement the rental arbitrage opportunity there, right? If you use the rental arbitrage opportunity, then you can. So I'll give you an example the, you in the same markets. So uh, let's say like a, a uh, I'm just going to use LA because I'm familiar with the markets here. Um, in downtown LA, you can, you can buy a one bedroom condo here um, on the low end, you know, maybe about 400,000 on the higher end, you're going to go to six, 700,000 in the downtown areas. Okay. Um, the, your, your long-term rental rates for a one bedroom in that area, uh, it's about 1800 to 2,500 ish. Those are the most, most of the rents going to be in there. So what, what is your yield, right? On, let's say you're putting 30% down, you know, um, 25% down, uh, even, even on, uh, say 400,000. Okay. Let's just say you got to put a hundred grand down. Right. Um, so you look at the return there versus let's say you have it on a, um, lease instead of buying it. Right. Uh, the lease to secure it is, uh, you got two months of security deposit and then, uh, you know, you give yourself another month or two to ramp up. So you're really looking at just you know, even with furnishing, you're looking at less than 10 grand to get it all up and running. But now your revenue potential from the short-term uh, revenue potential uh, in that area, you're looking at 3x the, the long-term lease rates. Minimum in a good spot. You, you might be able to get to 4x, but let's say 3x. So you're putting in one-tenth the risk capital, but you're also getting 3x the revenue potential. Now your operating expenses are a little bit higher because you got to factor in the cleaning and all that stuff. But essentially your yield on what you got to put in equity wise, you're getting five to 10 X compared to actually buying the asset here. How many uh, for your students and, and people, you know, how many, uh, how many listings could somebody, somebody realistically take on uh, or what are some of the numbers you've seen people doing uh, on a rental arbitrage basis? Um, we're really looking at uh, anywhere from about half a dozen to maybe 20 or 30. Um, not more than that if they're, not that much more than that if you're kind of using the rental arbitrage scenario, just because mm -hmm. it, it's hard, it's still tough to get those agreements. Okay, it's starting to get easier now. Uh, the landlords and property owners are starting to understand the space and a little bit less shy about it. Um, 
I'll just give you an idea. One of the groups that was doing that exclusively, their hit ratio, success ratio, going to you know, uh, going out to all the properties and is about maybe 5%. They got to talk to 20 to get one to say yes, to give them a try. Right. Uh, and usually the, what they have, uh, the, the method that works better is instead of saying, Hey, we'll take it for 12 months. And then you let us do it, uh, short-term rentals for 12 months. That doesn't work as well compared to say, Hey, we'll take it for on a month to month. We'll pay you 15% above your market rates. And we have a mutual out. 30 day mutual out. Um, you can kick us out if we're, you know, if it's an issue with your other tenants or things like that. Um, so, you know, but we can get out also. Right. So then so it's kind of a win-win because, you know, the property owner is not stuck with a tenant that might be causing issues where they have agreed to let them short, uh, do short-term rentals. But then also the, the host, the rent, we call them the rentrepreneur also isn't at risk of having a 12 month lease that, you know, maybe they picked the wrong location and it's not able to uh, generate the profits on a short-term basis to more than cover that. And so let's, let's talk about scaling then. So how would somebody scale so that they could deal with that many listings? The, so if you want to scale, the, you, the best way to scale is to pick the pockets, the Airbnb pockets that you want to operate out of and try to get as many uh, of the build, build your portfolio within that pocket. And that's even easier. It's, even better if you could put them in the same building because then, so you give you an example, there's uh, one host that had eight units all across town. If you think about eight units across LA uh, and trying to uh, manage that, even if you have cleaners scheduled everywhere, you know, things happen as you scale. Um, there's going to be cleaners that get in a car accident and all of a sudden you got to, you don't have a backup. You got to go across halfway across town to, to, uh, bridge that gap. You got a three hour window to turn this two bedroom listing around. Uh, it's going to be pretty tough, right? But if they're all kind of all in the same unit, it becomes much easier for um, you to manage the, uh, those kind of scenarios. That's interesting. Yeah. Driving okay. across LA is, uh, is, is worse than yeah, we have a lot of listeners in Toronto. Toronto's pretty bad. LA, I've been there. It's probably three times worse. Is yeah, it really? I, I find that hard to believe, man. Cause I it's can't, get, I can't get anywhere around here. It drives me bonkers. No, LA's worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worse. Uh, well, I was talking to, um, yeah, actually Patrick, who was our last interview, and he was telling me because he's everywhere all the time. He said he thinks Toronto's the worst in the world. Huh? Yeah. No. Toronto's rough. Yeah, I think that is LA, LA here on the west side. <laughs> yeah. LA just doesn't have any times where it's done. Like it's just always right, twenty-four seven. Toronto, I think yeah. we have a little bit of little pockets here and there where we can. We can jump across quickly, but you can take the 407 when uh, like, at certain times, and that's about it. Like it yeah. takes anyway, <laughs> hours to get go 15 miles during uh, you know, in, in the wrong places, it could take you two hours to go 15 miles. You may as well, like, you know, watch a watch a, a, a game, a basketball game, and then yeah, you know, and then try to get out. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Um, so. I guess you're, you're on a little bit of a time crunch here, right? So when, when do you have yeah. to leave? How much longer do we have you for? Um, I, okay, I, I got to leave in like five minutes. I'll, I'll, <laughs> five minutes, I can wrap it up. Well, why don't, why don't you, because um, you do have some, some trainings and, and everything around this. I mean, uh, why don't we talk about that a little bit and what you offer uh, some students to help them jump into this business? I think the cool thing about this business is that, is that it's, uh, in my mind, it's a really good, 
uh, well, it's a really good business to start out. I think there's some scalability, scalability there. And you can also, for someone who maybe doesn't know a whole lot about real estate yet, it's probably a good way to jump in without having to put up too much capital or maybe hardly any capital in some cases and, and start to yeah. learn, learn how the, uh, the markets are working and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah, if for, for a lot of folks who are just starting out, short-term rentals is a great place to start. One, it, it requires a lot less capital. The model is uh, much easier to understand. Um, also, it, you can get started very quickly. Uh, and and you, you don't even need to have a property. You don't need to have your own property. And uh, as part of one of our training programs, we even cover a module where you don't even need any property, right? One of the amazing things about Airbnb as it's growing is that it's not just a short-term rental platform anymore. It's really about travel experience. And one of the biggest untapped opportunities on the platform right now is Airbnb experiences. And, uh, you know, we really started to dig a, a deep into that on, you know, what experiences do well, how to craft and design your own experiences uh, and, and be able to um, build an Airbnb business that can help you generate a lot of cash flow, even if you don't have any properties and even if you're not managing anyone else's properties. Um, so that's one of the things that works. So, uh, one one message I would love uh, to tell your your listeners is, you know, as they're exploring programs in short-term rentals, even just real estate programs, right? One thing that is very helpful to keep in mind is that there are a lot of different investment strategies, uh, different frameworks, and different models to follow, right? One of the things that we do uh, through uh, our, our platform is uh, that's different is that we're not just saying, hey, here's what we did that worked in this market for these listings that we had. Uh, that's not what we're doing. What we're saying is like, we did that, it worked, but here's what our thousands of other hosts that we've talked to and surveyed. And then we also analyze the actual bookings data, the real transactions for hundreds of thousands of listings to find out what actually works in different places because what will work for one person in one market for their, for their uh, property might not work for you for your property in your market, right? Um, so we provide the tools and the methodologies for anybody who's just starting out to be able to understand that, to see, hey, for me in my situation in my market, what makes the most sense for me to do? Okay, I like it. So tell us a bit about your program. So our program, uh, you know, there's, we do, we have a long uh, and very detailed free training um, that walks through a lot of really valuable information for people that are just curious and, and we'll provide a link um, for you guys to share in the show notes. They can check that out. If they find that helpful and useful um, in that training, we will also talk about a more detailed program that essentially handholds someone from knowing nothing to being in um, active, profitable hosts, um, you know, within a couple months. Uh, now we've trained folks that have been fresh out of school that knew nothing about the space, as well as uh, grandmothers who had no idea what Airbnb was, but they suddenly had the time and the space uh, to do something interesting. And uh, we've helped them become super hosts within three months. Hmm. Okay, so we're gonna have the 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 what's what's the program called anyways? At least called hosting accelerator. Hosting accelerator. Okay, and you're gonna share a link, so that'll be in the show notes, everybody. Uh, if you want to learn more about this program, 
Um, so what is the what is the best way to get to that? What's the link? Is it? Is it yeah, it's. it's uh, I'll give you guys the link, and it's a link where they uh, they can sign up for a free webinar training. Okay. Okay. Yep. So if you're listening and you're driving or, or you're working out or something and you're not able to, to do it, just uh, pull over maybe or just uh, <laughs> check it out after you're done and uh, and read the the show notes there. You'll you'll be able to grab the the link to that. And if you're on our website, you can check it out at the at the bottom of the the page as well with the with the link. All right. So um, and and I guess the the main key point of this is unfortunately James can be here with us. Uh, we set up this interview. He was a uh, sort of your Toronto liaison. I guess you work quite closely with him. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, uh, James. Um, I mean, he he was operating the top, pretty much the the top one percent and many top three and top five percent listings in 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 Toronto. Um, so yeah, he he really knows the market well. And he knows how what it takes to um, turn a listing from just starting out and getting it to the t- top. And so he's one of your trainers on the program, is that right? Yes. Yeah, we right. we okay. co-train uh, the students together. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being here. Really appreciate all of this stuff. This is sort of something that we've never we've certainly never heard that strategy before. Anyways, I mean, I know of it, but we've never really talked about it on the show. Um, it's an interesting one uh, yeah. where, you know, leasing and then, and then I guess subleasing, right. With permission. So that's, that's really, really interesting. Something almost like a, almost like a wholesale where you're starting off with, you know, just your ingenuity is all you really need. Yeah. So I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I got one more point to share, um, which is, you know, in the, in the program, actually, we have a whole module that is specifically geared towards folks that, are coming from a more traditional real estate background. And essentially we're gonna show you how do you compare a short-term rental opportunity with a traditional um, rental in, you know, in a particular market, right? And this is looking at it from an investor's perspective where you're hiring a listing manager or somebody to host on your behalf and factor in all of those costs how do you compare that with a traditional rental and where and when does that make sense? Great. So lots of stuff to learn for anybody that's interested. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for being here with us. Again, we're going to have all your contact info. Um, did you want to leave another contact info for anybody? Do you have a... No, that'd be it. Um, yeah. Just check out uh, Learn. We're actually doing a rebrand. It's, it's learn, it was learnairbnb.com, but it's uh, going to be forwarded to learnbnb.com. We're expanding the scope of what we're going to be covering. Okay, learnbnb.com. Yeah. Pretty easy. Okay. Uh, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, info at mckeerwithsnetwork.com or 289-389-6846. You can just reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. Okay, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks everyone.